With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Chapter 20 of The Princess Priscilla's Fortnight by Elizabeth von Arnim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The only inhabitant of Creeper Cottage who slept that night was Annalisa. Priscilla spent it walking up and down her bedroom, and Fritzing, on the other side of the wall, spent it walking up and down his. They could hear each other doing it. It was a melancholy sound. Once Priscilla was seized with laughter, a not very genial mirth, but still laughter, and had to fling herself on her bed and bury her face in the pillows, lest Fritzing should hear so blood-curdling a noise. It was when their steps had fallen steadily together for several turns, and the church clock, just as she was noticing this, had struck three. Not for this, to tramp up and down their rooms all night, not for this had they left Kunitz. The thought of all they had dreamed life in Creeper Cottage was going to be, of all they had never doubted it was going to be of peaceful nights passed in wholesome slumber, of days laden with fruitful works, of evenings with the poets, came into her head and made this tormented marching seem suddenly intensely droll. She laughed into her pillow till the tears rolled down her face, and the pains she had to take to keep all sounds from reaching Fritzing only made her laugh more. It was a windy night, and the wind sighed around the cottage and rattled the casements, and rose every now and then to a howl very dreary to hear. While Priscilla was laughing, a great gust shook the house, and involuntarily she raised her head to listen. It died away, and her head dropped back onto her arms again, but the laughter was gone. She lay solemn enough listening to Fritzing's creakings, and thought of the past day and of the days to come till her soul grew cold. Surely she was a sort of poisonous weed, fatal to every one about her. Fritzing, Tussie, the poor girl Emma—oh, it could not be true about Emma— she had lost the money, and was trying to gather courage to come and say so, or she had simply not been able to change it yet. Fritzing had jumped to the conclusion, because nothing had been heard of her all day at home, that she had run away with it. Priscilla twisted herself about uneasily. It was not the loss of the five pounds that made her twist, bad though that loss was in their utter poverty. It was the thought that if Emma had really run away, she, by her careless folly, had driven the girl to ruin. And then Tussie! How dreadful that was! At three in the morning, with the wailing wind rising and falling, and the room black with the inky blackness of a moonless October night, the Tussie complication seemed to be gigantic, of a quite appalling size, threatening to choke her, to crush all the spring and youth out of her. If Tussie got well, she was going to break his heart. If Tussie died, it would be her fault. No one but herself was responsible for his illness her own selfish, hateful self. 
"'Yes, she was a poisonous weed, a baleful, fatal thing, not fit for great undertakings, not fit for a noble life, too foolish to depart successfully from the lines laid down for her by other people, wickedly careless, shamefully short-sighted, spoiling, ruining everything she touched.' Priscilla writhed. "'Nobody likes being forced to recognise that they are poisonous weeds.' Even to be a plain weed is grievous to one's vanity, but to be a weed and poisonous as well is a very desperate thing to be. She passed a dreadful night. It was the worst she could remember. And the evening, too, how bad it had been, though contrary to her expectations Fritzing showed no desire to fight Tussie. He was not so unreasonable as she had supposed, and besides he was too completely beaten down by the ever-increasing weight and number of his responsibilities to do anything in regard to that unfortunate youth but be sorry for him. More than once that evening he looked at Priscilla, in silent wonder at the amount of trouble one young woman could give. How necessary, he thought, and how wise was that plan at which he used in his ignorance to rail, of setting an elderly female like the Distal to control the actions and dog the footsteps of the Priscillas of this world. He hated the Distal and all women like her, women with mountainous bodies and minimal brains, bodies self-indulged into shapelessness, brains neglected into disappearance. But the nobler and simpler and the more generous the girl, the more did she need some such mixture of fleshiness and cunning constantly with her. It seemed absurd, and it seemed all wrong, yet surely it was so. He pondered over it long in dejected musings, the fighting tendency gone out of him completely for the time, so dark was his spirit with the shadows of the future. They had borrowed the wages, it was a dreadful moment, for that day's cook from Annalisa. For their food they decided to run up a bill at the store, but every day each fresh cook would have to be paid, and every day her wages would have to be lent by Annalisa. Annalisa lent superbly, with an air as of giving freely, with joy. All she required was the princess's signature to a memorandum drawn up by herself, by which she was promised the money back, doubled, within three months. Priscilla read this, flushed to her hair, signed, and ordered her out of the room. Annalisa, who was beginning to enjoy herself, went upstairs singing. In the parlour Priscilla broke the pen she had signed with into quite small pieces and flung them on the fire. A useless demonstration, but then she was a quick-tempered young lady. In the attic Annalisa sat down and wrote a letter breathing lofty sentiments to the Countess Distal in Kunitz, telling her she could no longer keep silence in the face of her royal parent's anxieties, and she was willing to reveal the address of the Princess Priscilla, and so staunch the bleeding of a noble heart, if the Grand Duke would forward her, or forward to her parents on her behalf, the sum of twenty thousand marks. Gladly would she render this service, which was at the same time her duty, for nothing, if she had not the future to consider and an infirm father. Meanwhile she gave the Symford post-office as an address, assuring the Countess that it was at least fifty miles from the Princess's present hiding-place, the address of which would only be sent on the conditions named. Then, immensely proud of her cleverness, she trotted down to the post-office, bought stamps, and put the letter herself in the box. That evening she sang in the kitchen, she sang in the bathroom, she sang in the attic and on the stairs to the attic. What she sang, persistently, over and over again, and loudest outside Fritzing's door, was a German song about how beautiful it is at evening when the bells ring one to rest, and the refrain at the end of each verse was ding-dong twice repeated. 
Priscilla rang her own bell, unable to endure it, but Annalisa did not consider this to be one of those that are beautiful, and did not answer it until it had been rung three times. "'Do not sing,' said Priscilla, when she appeared. "'Your Grand Ducal Highness objects?' Priscilla turned red. "'I'll give no reasons,' she said icily. "'Do not sing.' "'Yet it is a sign of a light heart. Your Grand Ducal Highness did not like to see me weep. She should the more like to hear me rejoice.' "'You can go.' "'My heart to-night is light, because I am the means of being of use to your Grand Ducal Highness, of showing my devotion, of being of service. Do me the service of being quiet.' Annalisa curtsied and withdrew, and spent the rest of the evening bursting into spasmodic and immediately interrupted song, breaking off after a few bars with a cough of remembrance and apology.' When this happened, Fritzing and Priscilla looked at each other with grave and meditative eyes. They knew how completely they were in her power. Fritzing wrote that night to the friend in London who had engaged the rooms for him at Baker's Farm, and asked him to lend him fifty pounds for a week, preferably three hundred. This would cover the furnisher's bill. But if he could lend neither, five would do. The friend, a teacher of German, could as easily have lent the three hundred as the five, so poor was he, so fit an object for a loan himself. But long before his letter explaining this in words eloquent of regret, for he was a loyal friend, reached Fritzing, many things had happened to that bewildered man, to whom so many things had happened already, and caused him to forget both his friend and his request. This, then, was how the afternoon and evening of Thursday were passed, and on Friday morning, quite unstrung by their sleepless night, Priscilla and Fritzing were proposing to go up together on to the moor, there to seek width and freshness, be blown upon by moist winds, and forget for a little the crushing narrowness and perplexities of Creeper Cottage, when Mrs. Morrison walked in. She opened the door first, and then, when half of her was inside, knocked with her knuckles, which were the only things to knock with on Priscilla's simple door. Priscilla was standing by the fire, dressed to go out, waiting for Fritzing, and she stared at this apparition in great and unconcealed surprise. "'What business,' said Priscilla's look more plainly than any words, "'what business had people to walk into other people's cottages in such a manner?' She stood quite still and scrutinised Mrs. Morrison, with the questioning expression she used to find so effective in Kunitz's days, when confronted by a person inclined to forget which exactly was